leading us in songs, especially that last song. Uh, that's the one I requested. He asked me, and he generally does, and I appreciate that about Harold. He generally asks me, hey, I am leading singing whenever. What are you doing? And he usually gets, yeah, I'm not sure yet. And, uh, yeah, because it changes. I, I have a hard time deciding. So I have like eight sermons that are in various states of <laughs> finality. And, um, yeah, and then I'm like, what's next, right? And in this case, um, I had determined this quite a while ago. So I got to tell him, and, uh, and I asked for that song. That song's really powerful. And I want you to notice that it doesn't start at the beginning of the song with none of self and all of thee. It doesn't start that way. Uh, it actually starts in a pretty bad place where it's all of self and none of thee. Right? And that's where we all started. That's what we all started with. And it doesn't go two verses. It's not, it's not all of self and none of thee and then none of self and all of thee. There's two verses in the middle. And I'm glad, so glad that Harold sang those two, those two verses as well. Because it's a progression. And the song describes the relationship that we have to Christ. We start. And when we start this relationship with Christ, we don't start knowing what's going on. Like, let's just put it that way, right? We have no idea what's going on. We start, hopefully, with a commitment to serve Christ. And if we have that commitment to serve Christ, we will figure out what needs to be accomplished. Right? We'll move through the processes. We'll, we'll grow spiritually as we continue so that we get to the point where at some point in our life we are no longer all of self and none of thee and we're some of self and some of thee. And then we feel pretty good, right? We're not there yet, but we feel better. But our whole process turns from a self-actualized, a self-fulfilling uh, Intention to having a focus that's different. And then it transitions from there where we're happy with, I've got a little bit of Jesus and I've got a little bit of, you know, myself here. And that seems like a pretty good balance. It's the wrong word, right? <laughs> it's the wrong word. Balance is a terrible word for it. Because really when we look at the balances of our control of our life and Jesus, it should go like this, right? Jesus is down here. He, he possesses all of the control, at least in regard to our decision-making, our processes, right? Like, we still control this body. Jesus doesn't, like, possess us in that way, in a weird way. But that we need to become more engaged in that, right? Some of self and some of thee, then less of self and more of thee. And we still realize, and I think this happens as we grow, we realize that, in truth, we're not further away from our goal. Our goal has just moved, our goal has actualized in Christ, right? As we grow in our relationship with God, we understand how perfect he is and how imperfect we have always been. And though we're making progress, Jesus doesn't move, but our understanding of how far away we are, then it starts to really dawn on us. And only at the end of our life, arguably, and not even at the end of our life, but past the end of our life, will we find that realization in all or none of self and all of thee. And we make it like it needs to be an immediate thing. Like you come into Christ and you're immediately going to be mature. No, that's ridiculous. And no one would expect that. Right? You don't you don't walk into a gym and you go, Yeah, I really wanna I really want to lift weights. I want to do weight training. And they don't sit you on a bench to do bench presses at 300 pounds. Like you're not gonna bench press 300 pounds when you first walk into a gym. And 
If you start, you know, getting more exercise, people say, oh, you, you know, 10,000 steps is about the goal that most people want to reach. Well, you don't shoot for 80,000 like Tim did. And he made it. It was like 1137 at night, but he made 80,000 steps and then subsequently got COVID. I'm just saying. <laughs> Walking will kill you. No, <laughs> you know, oxygen kills you, but you know, whatever. So they make these suggestions that you don't just go 80,000 steps all at once. And they say, oh, well, you know, you want to eat healthier. And most people will suggest the way to eat healthier is not to drop your bag of potato chips and pick up a stalk of kale. Because that's not tangible. That's not realistic. That's not going to stick because kale is awful. Regardless of how good it is for you, it is not good And so it's not going to be sustainable. And what you are after as a Christian in whatever stage you are in is sustainable growth. And that's habits. And what you do is you sneak vegetables into your diet. That's what they say. And they said it about kids for a long time. Kraft Macaroni and Cheese came out with a specific type of mac and cheese. It was like three servings of vegetables in this mac and cheese. And I'm like, what did you do to macaroni and cheese? They did that to my spaghetti sauce. There were carrots in my spaghetti sauce. And I'm like, what are these carrots doing in my spaghetti sauce? And it says, hey, now with two... Right? Two servings of vegetables in every portion. And I'm like, I don't want carrots in my spaghetti sauce, but I get it. Because we're moving towards less of self and more of thee. But it takes a process. It's a goal. And we understand this on a physical level in a lot of cases. Some of us are all in or all out. That's problematic. But it takes a process. And what I find, and what I find oftentimes succeeds in people's lives is what I would call sneaking Jesus into your life. And that sounds real weird, I know. It doesn't sound, it doesn't sound conventional or traditional, and that's okay. Because this is what you do, right? You find aspects of your life that you do on a regular occasion, and you just find ways of introducing Jesus to that. Right? For instance, in the Old Testament, through, through uh, the, the whole existence of the Jewish world, and even to today, they have what is called the Shema. You might be familiar with it. We've talked about it before, which is a daily prayer, at least daily prayer, that they recite these passages. And I included them here for you. It's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Deuteronomy 11, 13 to 21, Numbers 15, 37 to 41. We won't read the whole thing, but in particular, I'd like to pick up in Deuteronomy 6. If you're going to turn with me there, I'm going to read it when I get there, though. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and if you're familiar with the book of Deuteronomy, you know that Deuteronomy 6 obviously comes after Deuteronomy 5, but more importantly, Deuteronomy 5 is the retelling of the Ten Commandments. So you've got the retelling of the Ten Commandments, and then immediately following these recitation of the Ten Commandments is this, effectively. He says, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul and with all your strength. Does that sound familiar? It should. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk with them when you sit down at the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And that's the introduction to it. And then they would recite Deuteronomy 11, 13 and 21, and Numbers 15, 37 to 41. This is something that they consistently, repeatedly recite. 
They learn it as a child. Shema is one of the first things you learn as a Jewish child. And the Shema is beautiful. It's beautiful. Am I saying that you should recite the Shema? No, but you could. I mean, are these things accurate today? Is the Lord one? Is he a God? And as such, do we need to serve him and endow this uh, relationship in ourselves and in others? Right? So a daily prayer life. And it doesn't have to be spectacular is what we oftentimes think of. And I think of that when we talk about the prayers that are given here. I think all the individuals that participate do an incredible job. And yet I sometimes hear people come up and they say, Wow, you know, I really wish I could pray like so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, like, I think you do a great job. Because the question isn't whether you sound good, whether you're eloquent of speech. The question is of whether it's from your heart and it's consistent with the Lord's will. But we get so caught up in, in comparison and looking at other people instead of looking at the progress that we can make. And what does the Shema say? What does Deuteronomy say? Deuteronomy 6, right after he gives the Ten Commandments, he says, hey, make it a part of your life regularly. He doesn't command the Shema being recited on a daily basis, but what he does say is when you have opportunity, when you lie down, when you rise up, share the Word of God with your children. Talk to them. Give them opportunities to talk about the Lord. Set reminders. Now, they took this very literally, and they created <laughs> literal boxes that they would hang from various parts of their body, right, between their eyes and on the edges of their hems, and they had fancy robes that expressed this. And there wasn't anything intrinsically wrong with that. It just came across the wrong idea. What God wanted was for them to make this a regular part of their life and to remember the law of their God, not, hey, my box here is bigger than your box, and it's got more verses in it. Yeah, but how many are in your heart? Like, that's really the question here. In fact, when you go to the wrong idea, you get like Matthew 23 and verse 5. Jesus, he points out about <laughs> Matthew 23. <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep one. We'll, we'll come back to it in a bit. But Matthew 23, 5, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries. That's that box that they put between their eyelets. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments because they perceive that that was an expression of their righteousness or their piety. Jesus says it's not about the show. It's not about the show. It's about the serve. It's not about the show. And then even if you chose to make boxes and you put verses in it, right? Those verses don't do you a lick of good on your forehead. They do you a lot better. And the only way they actually help anything is if you apply them to your heart. If you're working towards understanding them. And I've seen many people who could quote scripture and it didn't do them a lick of good because they didn't do anything with it. Now, am I opposed to people memorizing verses? Absolutely not. I think it's a fantastic way of of putting it in your heart and drawing upon it when it's needed. Absolutely do that. And if you have a capacity for it, great. I will envy you because I don't. I have to work really hard to memorize things. That's my wife. We've dealt with this in preaching school. But we got to keep it in check because it's not about how broad my phylactery is. It's not about how many verses I can quote. It's not even about how many times I can write the Bible out in, from memory. It's about how I live the Bible in my life. It's about how it changes me. And that's what God wanted. That's why it was a regular, everyday thing. Instead of making it a special thing, which it is a special thing, let's be fair here. 
But the word of God was meant to be bread for daily consumption, not cake for special occasion. Now, we eat cake all the time, especially if it's as good as some of those in there. Woo. And that's not good for us. It's better if it is a bread that we recognize is for our nourishing. That it's not just, hey, this tastes kind of good. I'm going to read it every now and then. But it's something we sit and we chew on. That we spend time thinking about. And that we don't get haughty about. Because the word of God is meant to help us become the people. So we're not about the giant crucifix. right? (laughs) Uh, We're not about the show and the demonstration. We're about the action and the life. That it changes. So we need to introduce it gently, but consistently. It doesn't have to be all at once. It doesn't have to be in crazy magnitude. You don't have to drop the bag of potato chips and pick up a stalk of kale here. Because not everybody is ready to read through the Bible in a year, frankly. I'll be honest with you. I've never read through the Bible in a year. I never have. I have always failed at that. And while that irritates me sometimes, the reason that I stopped... I had pretty good reasons because I was doing other things, other things that seemed important in the moment. And I picked up elsewhere or we read about something else. But if I'm reading through the Bible just so I can say, hey, I read through the Bible in a year. If it takes me three years to read through the Bible, to read it in a way that I'll understand it, that it'll make an application in my life and I can use it for my purposes in God, all the better. You don't have to judge yourself in regard to other people. And you don't have to pick up that stalk of kale and start munching right away. You need to learn how to introduce Jesus in practical ways. And if it's reading through the Bible in three or five or ten years, then so be it. You will be blessed when you're done. You'll be blessed along the way too. The replacement method is the one I think most often of. And this is the one I've been trying to employ in my own life lately, especially... I found myself frequently, oh man, getting involved in things that weren't good, weren't bad, that weren't unrighteous, that just weren't anything. Right? I'd listen to music and I was always cautious of what I was listening to, and we'd change the channel if it were something inappropriate, but it was a whole lot of stuff about nothing. It was like Seinfeld, right? A show about nothing. And you just you watched it, you binged it, you 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 watched it because it was on and you could watch it. And it didn't ask anything of you. And there's a lot of that in the world. There's a lot of stuff in the world that doesn't ask anything of you. So while we're commuting, what can we do? While we're commuting, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Now, I have suggested it before. It's an option. You could set your phone up or you could buy the CDs or cassettes or A-track tapes, if you need, I don't know how old your car is, to play the Bible being read. You can even get it read by James Earl Jones. I'm looking for that. That would be awesome, I think. But it doesn't matter who's reading it, and it doesn't matter that you're not the one reading it, because up until, well, recently, folks couldn't read as a general rule, and they had to have it read to them. And that's just what it was. And that's what's happening there in Nehemiah chapter 8 and Ezra as well. They're reading from the law to the people. The, the folks who can read are reading to the people and giving a sense. So you, could read, you could listen to the Bible being read. I wouldn't say do it every day right away. That'll burn you out. But maybe once a week. Whatever day you feel like it's appropriate. Maybe on your commute you spend time listening to the Bible being read. That would be pretty awesome. You could also... Listen to podcasts about spiritual things. 
Because it doesn't have to be steak all the time. You can also sometimes eat things that are beneficial to you that aren't steak, that aren't doctrinal, that aren't difficult to stomach. And we would call this sometimes fluff. But fluff is okay. Especially if you can replace the fluff you usually listen to with fluff that's related to Jesus. Like, that can be pretty good. So there are some things that I have started doing. Like, we, we do, uh, I don't know, doom scrolling is what it's called, I guess. Which is uh, when you're on your phone and you're just looking at posts on Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram or whatever kids are doing nowadays. I don't really know. But I find myself, when it happens, I find myself, you know, on what are called YouTube shorts or Facebook reels. There we go. They're short videos. And I watch videos about all kinds of things that are beneficial, that are productive, but aren't biblical or religious or spiritual in any way, shape, or form. They're not bad, but they're not good, not spiritually anyway. I watch videos on uh, handyman, doing handyman things. I got a guy I watch who does uh, raising cattle and uh, milking cows. That's pretty fun. I like him. He's funny. I have comedians that I watch. And it kind of scrolls, right? Spiral. And it's, it's a spiral. And you find yourself and you're like, well, I just spent an hour doing, watching these videos. You know what you could do? And this is what I've started doing. You can start to follow or subscribe or whatever it is on that platform. You can just find people who are talking about biblical things. You can find people of the church, in fact, who are talking about biblical things. Like, you can listen to the Radically Christian podcast. I like that one, Wes McAdams. He does a great job of questioning things that we have classically thought or religion has classically thought and uh, brings to light some interesting perspectives about it. I mean, some people like listening to the Duck Dynasty fellows. (laughs) They're pretty crazy. And frequently they will talk about religious things, which is kind of funny. Um, You know, but there's a lot of things that you can listen to. You can incorporate it. And it's not all day, every day, right? When I go on, sometimes I have two handymen that talk about some fix that they're working on, and I have a comedian from, if I had could suggest one particular, it's dry bar comedy, it's clean comedy, and if you follow them, you'll generally, I think, find it amusing, I find it really amusing anyway, um, and then I have a guy speaking on some religious topic, and they are, to be fair, they are very eloquent frequently, it's very well thought out, and it's... I don't know. I think the word I would use is empowering. I've mentioned it several times in my lessons. And and there's an aspect of it that, yes, sometimes it's fluff. Sometimes they're talking just about encouraging things. And that's not a problem. I have one guy I really like. He's bald and he has a beard. So I kind of envy him for that because I'd love to grow a beard. But he seems super cool, like a guy I would really get along with. And he had a lesson on Shamgar, which is a judge from the Old Testament who beat, uh, what is it, a bunch of Philistine, no, a bunch of Midianites, I think, um, with an ox goat. And his whole lesson was about the fight starts here. And I was like, that was amazing. I get done with it, and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And it was just something that randomly popped up because I had followed this individual because I was tracking what they're doing. That sounds weird. It's not in a creepy way. (laughs) I don't know if you know what that means. But I had pushed the button that they want me to push that says, hey, feed me more stuff like this. See, social media can be a really bad thing, but it can also be a really beneficial thing. Because what social media is designed to do is give you more of what you have done recently. 
So if you start to add religious and or spiritual things to your feed, guess what's going to pop up more and more frequently? Similar religiously based things. Now you need to learn how to eat fish and spit out the bones. Right? We're all adults here. Well, Kyron's not. But uh, right, we expect people to be able to eat fish and spit out the bones. Maybe you're not there yet, and that's okay. This is considered a topic for people who are striving to be mature, though, and that's one aspect of maturity, that we can, we can consume things, but we don't just consume them mindlessly. We listen, and we investigate, and we think about, and we mull it over, and we figure out whether it's righteous or not. And you should be doing that all the time. You should be doing that right now, in fact. And if you're not, it does suggest something about you, that you're not being very spiritually minded or spiritually mature. Other suggestions that you can do, we binge watch a lot of TV. And it's not bad TV, it's just not good TV. It's really not good TV. But while you're binging TV, uh, several of you, and I've mentioned it before, we have watched uh, The Chosen. I think it's a fantastic show. It's not the Bible. But it is tangential to the Bible, and it deals with many Bible topics, and it could get you into a Bible study that you're thinking about. Or it also broadens the topic of and connects it in ways, the Bible, in ways that I hadn't anticipated before. And it brings to light some ideas and some thoughts that I hadn't thought to think before, if that makes sense to you. And it's amazing. Um, you know, watch it. Watch it uh, if you so choose. Uh, others in regard to what he talked about there in Deuteronomy 6, that you put them on your doorposts and on your gates. I know a number of the ladies, the secret sis- sisters or secret sibs or whatever they, they're called, uh, they will frequently give uh, their sister signage, <laughs> right? decorative signs for their home that say positively encouraging, spiritually motivating things. I know that because we have several in our house. And I open the door from our basement. Yes, we live in our... I, my wife and I's bedroom is in the basement. So we open the basement door and there's a sign that's a Philippians 4.3, I want to say. 4.6. It's 4.6. Anyway. Um, and it's really awesome. I don't know if that was given by a sib or she picked that up. But we have several around the house. And does that mean that we're spiritual because we have signs around? No. That's not how it works. But will it encourage righteousness if we make use of it? I have one in my office that says I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. It's my favorite sign. And it's also true. No, well, no. It's sarcastic about the nonsense that people bring up about... Anyway. So a decorative sign, right? It's, it's like a spiritual cat poster where the cat's hanging there and it's like, hang on. That's what it can be. But it can be actually encouraging instead of just sardonic and annoying. And yet those are things that you can do. Because we don't grow all at once. How awkward would that be? And how painful would that be, frankly? We don't go from zero to fully Christian, right? As in a fully mature Christian in the Lord immediately. In fact, we we don't ever get there until we move on from this life anyway. We can make progress, but it's slow progress. And that's okay. Because slow progress is still what? Progress. And if that's what we're after then we need to do the things that are going to mature us along the way. And if we're not doing things to help us mature, I don't care what they are. 
Right? You can have a thousand other ideas than mine. You don't have to do the things that I'm suggesting. These are just a few things that I have found successful in my life or the things that I have done or things that I have heard about that could be beneficial to you. And if you want a podcast or a Facebook group or uh, Vines or MySpace, I don't know, whatever it is now, let me know. And I will do my very best to put you in contact with something that is going to be beneficial for you. And it doesn't have to be the same one that I do. It can be, though. That's okay. But whatever it is, what I truly want for us as a group of Christians here at Willowdale is that we would all pursue growth because I think we're all capable of growing. I don't think any of us are where we need to be. I don't think any of us have arrived. We're simply in the process. Construction ongoing. And we need to be mindful of that. And sometimes we need to cut each other and ourselves a break. But we can never be satisfied with where we're at. We need to keep pressing on. And if we can help you to put your life right in Christ, to press on to that goal, the upward call of God, tonight or anytime. If we can help you to make your life fully his in baptism, or if we can help you come back to him, or to be strengthened, stronger in the Lord, we certainly want that. We want that more than anything in this life. But however we can assist you tonight, I pray that you'd let us know as together we stand and sing.